Welcome back to another episode of the Forever Game Podcast. And today we are talking to two ladies on the inside of the medical industry. So we've talked to a lot of business people to hear how COVID in the last year affected their business. But we really wanted to learn a little bit more about people behind the scenes, people having to deal with this pandemic on the front lines. And so I invited two ladies that happen to be also really fun um, that are also knowledgeable about all of this. It was a late night. We had a few cocktails and it turned out really fun. Hope you enjoy it. Welcome back to another episode of the Forever Game Podcast. Yes, we're recording now. Right. And today we have well, our largest audience ever is what we should say. Largest a recording one. audience. <laughs> My wife is here to see the first ever podcast that she's ever witnessed. I had to wait till 80 before I felt good enough to have her here. Welcome, Angie. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then we have... Uh, Hallie and Lucy here. We're going to get into what they do, but Jamie and I are sharing a mic for this episode because Jamie forgot the other mic. Therefore, and I'm so, never going to get to talk. So <laughs> notice how I'm leaning to the side. Um, <laughs> yep. So so anyway, we're gonna we're gonna get into it a little bit. And one of the big things that I want to talk about is healthcare has become part of everyone's almost daily thinking, and it wasn't before. Like a year ago, it was like if I need it, maybe I think about it. And now everyone is like, oh, it's, it's something, it's, it's in every universe. Everyone's thinking, some portion of their brain is thinking about it walking to the grocery store. And it wasn't that way before. You know, even when we walked in the liquor store, we forgot the masks for the day. And so we just like stared in the open door. We're like, oh. <laughs> and then we went back at home got, and like, got them. And that was, you know, we wouldn't yeah. think about that before. Right. So we'll talk a little bit about that too. So anything you want to say? Hi. Hi. It's nice to have the podcast in front of my face. Or it's the it's, podcast, the microphone, sorry. I've only had one geez, Yeah, good good job. That's why we're going to keep the mic away from Jamie. So, um, Edit it out. Yes, she's out. She's out. Good try, good try. Um, so we have Lucy and Hallie, both with the same organization, both in healthcare. Mm -hmm. um, but we'll, we'll start with Lucy because you were to my left and sort of like reading order. Yeah. Lucy, what do you do? Where do you work? And like... Just tell us a little bit about that. Sure. Well, my name is Lucy Brink, and I'm a nurse practitioner at Karis. I work in the Diabetes Center. So I see patients all day long um, who have type 1 diabetes, type 2 diabetes, pre-diabetes, gestational diabetes, and help them figure out how to manage that disease. Do you ever sneak cupcakes in the back when the door is slightly ajar? Very rarely. Okay. Uh, I've had <laughs> other jobs where we eat a lot of treats and snacks or people bring them in, but we don't have that at this Good. job. Not Good often. Idea. Every once in a while. Okay. Fair <laughs> enough. Hallie, what do you do? Uh, uh, I'm Hallie Johnson, and I am the Director of Business Development at Karis. Um, I was dreading this question because defining what I do is a real struggle for me. Um, I... Do business development. Oh. Um, I, <laughs> what does that typically oh, involve? Edit, Hallie, what does that, that typically involve? Like, is this okay. recruitment? So business development, um, really, I mean, that's a, it's a title I have. And then I just do what I'm asked to do all day long. Um, we <laughs> joke we that it's, yes, um, duties as assigned is like within your job description and is just mainly what my job is. Yeah. Um, but I joined Karis right before... Um, we started the integration process with CentraCare right before we started even like the whole vetting process. Um, and then my job quickly morphed into kind of being in the center of all of that chaos. And so um, I have a lot of like 
the history now, which seems weird because I've only been there for four years and in ACMT land, four years is nothing. Yeah. Um, but with how much things have changed, four years is now a lot for us. Um, and so I know a lot about the deal and transaction and how everything was structured and how it's changed and um, a lot of the relationships on both the hospital or the clinic side, um, learning more about the hospital side and then the center care side. And so I spend a lot of time still dealing with integration and working through connecting different parts of the organization and trying to bring things together and help people see blind spots. Um, yeah. So connections, like efficiencies, maybe market trends, like where you maybe need to like, yeah, I probably should spend more time on market trends, but um, like strategic relationships also like externally where we send outreach, what we're doing other organizations that we would like to come on board in the future or kind of be part of our system and, and how we're doing with that. So I think about those types of things as well. So just lots of like relation, I guess relationships is what I do. I think I that do. is the essence of business development is yeah. form, forming relationships, whether they're internally, externally, yeah. or whatever it might be. And then I spend a chunk of my time in Excel too, because there is still the business side. Are you a numbers person? Yeah, why? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I I like Excel. I think we've talked Somebody's a lot lately to. about yes, um, <laughs> yeah. like not. I mean, emotions are important, but like trying to take the emotions out of all like decisions. Decision Just, making. Yes, and so got to keep the doors open. You do. We sometimes to a it, people don't always love it, but we always say like no margin, no mission, and so you have to keep the doors open. And yes, having an ED in this community is support emergency department. Is important, um, and so you, but you, so you have to make enough money to be able to support providing all those services out here. Um, so it's a balance and a fine line to walk. But um, so I do spend a chunk of my time, and I like numbers nice. to say this either does make sense or it doesn't make sense. And sometimes we get very emotional about an idea and something that we want to do, um, but when you run the numbers, it doesn't oh make my sense. Gosh. So yeah. we have we to. We need a Hallie in our lives. <laughs> I was yeah. just going to say, I'm going to. I don't that. want one, actually. <laughs> I, yeah. I don't want one. It doesn't always that. make me like the favorite person in no, the room. But, you are but people will be like, necessary. thank you for that, Hallie. We respect what you're saying. <laughs> Party pooper. We respectfully disagree. <laughs> like we, we would like fun. to really like to poke some holes in those numbers. And I'm like, let's, we, let's talk about it. Like, sure, we can rerun the model. But um, yeah, I like that. I'm gonna keep that line in my back pocket for ten seventeen meetings. I respectfully no disagree. margin, no mission. Oh yeah, mm. that's true too. <laughs> Tyler. No margin, no mission. All right, so so uh, that's my job description. I hope that just summed okay. it up real precise for you. Sure. Well, I mean, there is a bit people. I don't think re, uh, like healthcare has business models. Without a business model, it doesn't work. Right. Yeah. Otherwise, it's. You know, There's unless, unless we're going to fully run state healthcare, which we're not going to get into this, but <laughs> like it has to have a business model that's functional or we don't get to have like medical facilities anymore. Right. And a lot of medicine currently today doesn't make money. So you have to make sure you support the parts that are making money to make the ship float for everything. So, yeah. Yep. Yep. And we won't get into who pays how much and all that stuff. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. We won't get into that. Well, okay. So, but, but, but I mean, there are some things like with different insurances where you don't make as much money on certain procedures that you do make this, that more margin on someone else that happens to get the same procedure. But yeah. 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 And all it's in, messy. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. It's not yeah. clean cut. You're not just like, 
buying a donut for a dollar oh nine and it's a dollar oh nine to everybody. Right. Right. Yeah. Cool. And it's yeah. And I mean when you talk about forward thinking and forward looking into the future, uh I mean in Candy Ohio counties we are seventy percent one type of payer mix. Um, that really dictates everything. And so as that changes, you have to be thinking about how that's going to change in the future and how we can change our model to still make it all work for that. So Mm -hmm. to me, that's not like, well, it's driven by the government, but it's not, I mean, it's not political. We have to adjust to what's happening in the future and and figure out how you make it work because it, it is what it's going to be. Sure. We need to figure it out. Yes. I should say you need to figure that out. <laughs> yes. You and your people. Yeah. That's not quite my job, but yeah. <laughs> Okay. Well, p- part she'll, of be, she'll be at the table. That part is outside my school. They're like, they'll tell me like what's happening like, and then I can help figure out what we're doing, but yeah. Sure. All right. So how did you guys decide to get into what you do? Start wherever you want. Let's go. Lucy, what... You said you had an interesting yeah, story. So, yeah, I don't want to set the bar too high, but it'd be good. <laughs> there it is. Okay. Well, I, um, I had an idea when I was in high school that I might want to be a nurse, but I also really was interested in business and real estate. So, yes. That is interesting. So I took the um, initiative to um, go and follow both professions. So I contacted anybody I knew who would know a nurse. And I went and followed about five different nurses in the hospital. High schoolers can do that too. I don't know if any high schoolers know that, but you can. You just call up your local clinic or hospital and they'll get you okayed and you sign a HIPAA form and you go in and you do it. They totally should. Yeah. So I followed five nurses and, and a doctor and um, got some experience that way. Then I also got a job in an assisted living center as well. So I thought, okay, I'll just immerse myself in that and see if I like it. And then I also contacted one of my mom's friends who was a real estate agent and I said, do you have any work I could do? Would you hire me? So she did. So I went and became her personal assistant. And so I held these two jobs in high school for about three years. How old were you when you made these phone calls? 16. See, this is not normal. Right. My mom said I was not normal. (laughs) In a good way. Yeah, in a good way. So I grew up on a farm and the rule was that you worked on the farm. So from a young age, I always was out working on the farm and I didn't like it. It was not my thing. So my dad said, you can, uh, <laughs> what's happening? Oh, he's zooming in on me because I'm, we're apparently, it's a very important. Right, okay. So my dad said that if I wasn't going to work on the farm, I needed to go find my own job. So that's when I started making the phone calls. I started with a job at a restaurant, but I got fired pretty quickly. <laughs> what? Oopsie. I feel like you would be good at a restaurant. Well, I was. I was too good. really good. <laughs> too, good. <laughs> too good. Like they thought I was a spy, so they needed to get rid of me or something. No, I'm kidding. Um, I was. It, it, it's like uh, on Elf when the when Buddy makes all of the this is snowflakes. Lucy's favorite yeah. Christmas movie. I love that movie uh-huh. when Buddy makes all the snowflakes and the manager is like, "Somebody's coming for us. Oh. Somebody, somebody's doing this." You know. So what? What was your job at the restaurant? Well, I was a waitress, and I was really good. Yeah, she like the best it. waitress at this little <laughs> tiny. Diner, okay. <laughs> and uh, studio ad- audience is loving this. Yeah, love it. She's <laughs> having a ball. You've never heard this story either. <laughs> I like telling stories. So here's the here's why I got fired though. Okay. So I there were two places where they kept the schedule. One was upstairs and one was downstairs in the break room where all of them smoked, and I was never a smoker, so I didn't go in the smoke room. 
And that one said I worked Sunday and this one said I had Sunday off. And anyway, I didn't show up on Sunday and they fired me to make an example. They got rid of the spy. Wow. <laughs> that's ridiculous. Yeah, that doesn't yeah my mom wrote a letter to them. <laughs> no, Back but it, it when was you wrote letters. Right. Are they in this day and age, she would write a nasty Facebook yeah, post. Yeah, nasty Facebook <laughs> post. The real question is, are they still in business? Yes, they are. Mm. Yeah. Justice has not been served. Justice has not been served. Anyway. Okay. Um, so that was my first experience, which actually was a very good experience to get fired. Um, you know, it just has stuck with me forever. In some ways bad, because I often will be like, oh, am I fired today? But <laughs> we make that joke every time our badge doesn't work. Right. Out of door. That's exactly like, no, what happened the day I was fired. fired. My, ba- my badge did not <laughs> work. It. Or like oh. I wasn't on the screen to sign in. And then I went up to the manager and I was like, why is my name not? Oh, we need to talk. So I kind of have this fear that that might happen to me. But um, truly, it was a a good learning experience. You know, like all of our stories are good experiences. So it has stuck with me. But anyway. Has anyone else been fired here? It's a good question. See? I'm a no. That's a no for me. It teaches you something. I've been fired. You have too. I don't really feel like... That was a a fair firing, and I don't feel like there's like a good. It was not fair. That's the lesson. The that lesson there is, is like not fair things. What's, in life. what's the statute of limitations yeah. on this? I think we could go after them. No, I, no, no. Okay, it's no, just it, yeah. I think that it's okay to have things bad happen to you that aren't supposed to happen. Humbling, humbling, All right. humbling. It, yeah, just, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I would, I will be truthful and say like up until that point, like everything in my life had been really pretty rosy. So it taught me a good lesson. I got fired from my priest. From your priest? My priest fired me from religion. (laughs) Wait, what? Yeah. I was, I was 15. It was my first job. And the job was religion. The job was, it's not quite that dark, but no, I, I had to show up. Sunday mornings at about 5 a.m., 5.30 a.m., uh-huh. to shovel and salt the sidewalks in the entire largest church in Wilmer, which is St. Mary's, that's, this massive complex. That's an important job. Though. Yeah, it is. I mean, As it is. It is. Somebody who had to help like a 80-year-old woman outside her church who fell and broke her hip For in sure. high school. Was that a... That was not that at St. Mary's. City. Okay, so I'm not, I'm not liable. Okay, fair enough. Well, I will say, I... I did all of the work, uh-huh. but there was this huge, there was this three hour gap during mass where I would just wake I, I would walk outside of the janitor's closet to go pick up some trash, like in the pews in between mass. Well, then there was an hour before I didn't do anything. Yeah. And there was a janitor's closet that was lockable and it was nice and warm. And so I would sleep <laughs> and I would Sleeping. sleep several times. <laughs> and eventually I, he came in and my priest fired me right there. In the janitor's closet. But like, While I was on my knees. Now that's humbling. Okay, but in front like, of my priest. But like, it's a different kind of humbling. But yeah, yeah, be careful of that. It was not. Stop yeah, that. I was oh, young edit, boy. Edit yeah. that out. Uh, but, the, <laughs> but like the work was all done. Work was done. Work was done. And you know what See, the worst freaking part of that job was? The 5 a.m. old people that put their napkins in the bottom of their coffee cups oh. to soak up the last bit of coffee to help me clean them. Cause I had to wash all the dishes after oh. all of their like donuts and stuff. Got it. They, they like, pack it as tight yeah. as they can in their yeah. coffee cup. Do you know how many times they probably wiped their nose with that? Too? Oh, <laughs> and like the Speaking lipstick of, that would be on the outside. Germs on that. Did you yeah. Not the beginning? Sleep on the job? I was told not to sleep on the job several times. That's a real oh, That's a real well life. then have they you been warned? I feel like Do you want me just to like sit awake? Yeah, I and to just clarify. like soak in the mass. 
The Jesus. Okay, we're getting. We're okay, losing yeah. Perspective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Tyler's Kay. stealing attention like he usually does. Let's so get back to Lucy. I get Kay. fired. Need to find a new job. So I make these cold calls, and lots of people said sure. So um, I, which is great, a great lesson too that you get hundred percent. You can make these calls and people will say yes, but it uh-huh. does take some initiative to do that. Yeah. So um, from sixteen to eighteen, I had these two jobs at the assisted living center and at the nursing home or at the. Um, uh, for the real estate agent. And then I did all of this shadowing too. And so it helped me decide that I wanted to go into nursing. So by the time I went to college, I fully knew that I wanted to be yeah. a nurse. That was the that's, direction I wanted. I feel like that's outside of the norm. Like somebody feels entirely confident in the career path that they're choosing. Yeah. Right? Because you tasted it. Right. And that's what most high schoolers don't get a chance to do. Right. So, well, and you made that chance yourself, which is admirable. Yeah. But you you not know, I normal. think a lot of people in nursing had family in nursing, and that was a big reason why they did it. Well, my mom's a nurse, so I went into nursing. Well, my, my parents are not um, in healthcare. I did have some aunts that were nurses, but that was kind of distant for me. I didn't sit around and talk with them about it. Yeah. So, it was a distant thing. My mom was a stay at home mom, my dad was a farmer. So, it was. Was the expectation that you would go to college in like four-year college? I don't remember that that was discussed. My parents both went to the U of M. So I, and graduated with four-year degree. So like I kind of knew that would, I felt like that would be my path. But um, the expectation was just that you would work hard. You were a hard worker and you could do anything and do something that you like yeah. was kind of the expectations I remember being told. I like that. Sounds like you had good parents. Yeah. Great parents. <laughs> Are they listening? Are they listening? Yeah. I'm sure. So mom, I'm sure they are. My mom asked me sure today, can I listen? Well, yeah. Yes, we're going to get one more new listener then. Yes, I one more. And a loyal one as well. Yeah, that. she will be loyal. Hallie, how about you? Well, like, what type of student were you? I think I know. But what type of student were you in high school? Um, were you get there early, sit in the front, ask questions? Like if there was a project due that day, but the teacher had forgot to bring it up. Were you like, um, isn't the project due today? Like, um, everyone else is like oh my god no I wasn't quite like that um, I was like a, a cool nerd <laughs> yeah they tell you yeah. that's a thing it isn't yeah <laughs> truly though I was. Uh, she was she was an athlete she played lacrosse and, and soccer and I was like a only, she played lacrosse in college Callie what guess. school was this um, in the Twin Cities, Robbinsdale Armstrong. Oh, nice. Okay, I was yes. going to say, it must be a big school if they had lacrosse. Yeah, cross, yeah, right? yeah. I played soccer. Uh, played a lot of club soccer, actually. So it was my first sport. And then I cross-country skied, and I played lacrosse. Awesome. And none of these things have to do with my job. But That's fine. Uh, yes. <laughs> that interested. was uh, that. So, and I guess, um, was in my fair share of AP classes, and I was student council president, and... Mm. NHS. You were too? Same. Yeah. Same, same. But what also, were the class sizes though? Let's compare Oh, that. much different. Yeah, I graduated with 120. 550. So your class president is higher ranking, I would say, than Lucy. Student council president. <laughs> student student council. council president. Oh, I was not president. class president because I did not want. That's the same. I was not either. To I have was student council. anything to do with reunions. Right. <laughs> we, just, we just wanted control. Yes. <laughs> right then and there, but not then, like, the party. But don't bring me back. Like, yeah. Of this, yeah. Um, but, but, um, and kind of like your program a little bit, um, within our, no, it was like a conglomerate of school districts cause it's twin cities. 
But they had a program, and I can't remember what the district was, like 280 or something. I don't know, down the Twin Cities. But they had a, um, a program that my senior year you applied for that would help you kind of like figure out your job. Is it Right Tech? Nope. Um, and so it, uh, so anyway, I got somehow, I don't remember how I like even fell into doing that, but I did. And I w- thought I wanted to be a physician at the time. And, but it was a lot of, you had to cold call or make all these contacts. You had to do a lot of networking. Best skill they taught me was networking. Yeah. Um, and so met a lot of people that have like interviews about what their job was like and to shadow them. And then eventually you get hooked up with a mentor that you spend like six months with and you have to do some sort of project. So um, I followed Dr. Ogle at HCMC in oncology for like six months. And she was wonderful and fabulous. Um, HCMC was also like an incredibly interesting place to mm-hmm. hang out with, mm-hmm. um, spend time and watch there. Um, at one point, I actually got to watch. So I was in surgery for the day, like watching like mastectomies and double mastectomies. And then it was like the end of the day and surgery was done. And so I was done shadowing that part. But then they were like, we just got a gunshot wound in this other room. Come over to this other OR and check out this gunshot wound. So they like threw a box on the floor and like set me up on it so I could see down. It's very cool. Um, so you en- you enjoyed this stuff. Yes. I Yes. I really thought I wanted to be a doctor. I really liked it. Um it was a really great experience. Uh, so I went into college thinking I wanted to go into medicine and I wanted to be a physician. Where was college at? St. Ben's. Okay. Both both Bennies. Yes. Both Bennies. All right. I'm yes. getting it. I'm getting it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So Benny, Benny Cobber State School. Let's just get that out of the <laughs> way. Let's get that out of the yes. way. Um, yeah. I'm still paying off loads. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but so you got into college thinking you were going, you were pre-med. Yes. You were pre-med when you yep. went in. Yep. What I, was what was the the class? Was it organic chemistry? Which one was it? We were like, <laughs> no way. No, I I made it through OCHEM. I actually took the MCAT and I did okay on it. Like people who had comparable scores made it into sure. med school. Um, not to say that I would have made it into med school because I mean, it's on your personality and everything. It wasn't like a kick butt. But what what what, but what anyway. stopped? Like how did it? Um, because I um at some point had really gotten interested. I remember when I was at HCMC, there was a patient, um, we were in oncology. There was a patient there who, um, had breast cancer and it had metastasized, metastasized onto her spine. And so it had collapsed her spinal cord. And so now she was paralyzed from the waist down. And I remember the physician I was with saying, we caught this earlier. She didn't have the money to treat any of it. So she knew that she had cancer and left and now like six months later she's back because now she's paralyzed and they're trying to help her and treat it and had she had the finances to treat it then you could have probably hopefully would have prevented all of this um and so just i saw a lot of like system things that didn't make sense with the way that healthcare works and so i i wanted to be a physician but i was also very drawn to the larger issues of how healthcare is structured um, and how we take care of people. And and so then there was this period of time where I like was looking at dual programs, like MD slash MBA programs, where I wanted to be a physician for a period of time and then switch over to the administrative side. Um, and then I was studying abroad in China and I was talking with one of our advisors there about what I wanted to do. And as I was going on about all these things, she said, you know, I've never heard you once say like, talk about specifically one-on-one with a patient and treating a patient. It's more of an all about systems and bigger pictures. You seem to be drawn a lot more towards that than you are to the one-on-one like treating a patient thing. 
Um, and so does it really, is med school really like the best fit or are you better off going into the business side of healthcare? Like what and kind of them? impact do you want to have? Right. Uh, you wanna ha- that's what I've been saying. Like she probably posed it in that way. Like where yes. do you see yourself making? Yeah. And just kind of just, she just kind of like said like everything that you said, you have not once said like one-on-one treating this one patient. I want to like cure this one person's cancer and make this one person's life better. It was all about like uh-huh. systems and making it better for patients and for physicians to work in yep. and all of those things. You know, it's interesting. We've, you know, we've done, this is number 80 for us, I believe. It is. Are you sure? Pretty sure. (laughs) But, um, (laughs) yeah, it's 80 ish. And, uh, and I had done about 80 of the last one that I had done as well. So I've heard a lot of these stories of people of how they started that like moment of a mentor or a person that like spent enough time with you that is like established in the field that you're trying to learn from like that person might not even remember that conversation, but it was an enlightening conversation for you in that it helped you like basically realize a path, eliminate a path and trajectory basically of your career. And have you noticed that too, that we, we, in the episode we just did that conversation, that like moment with a mentor is like, is everything. It's a course correction of sorts. And it's really, really cool to hear those stories. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I'm super into that stuff. Being yeah. Working with high school kids all the time. I'm, I'm into that. And so when I talk to other teachers or when I, you know, just like talk to a lot of the business people that deal with my kids, is I always like encourage them to re- like reflect out loud. You think these things about these people you work with, but most of the time you don't say them. And when I hear these stories, all these people I was talking, I remember like one of them, maybe two years ago, she's a phenomenal like, writer she wrote for amazon and like wrote all of these really cool like kids cartoons and things probably some kids uh your kids watch these things and the exact same thing happened to her is she wanted to go into something else and just a professor said i think you should go into this like probably doesn't even remember that conversation but just totally altered her course but somebody listening essentially like somebody really listening to what you're saying and then caring about you enough to say like i think you're you know saying this So anyway, well, thanks for sharing your stories. Mm -hmm. We like to hear like how people got to this point. Um, I had kind of started with the fact, or I'd mentioned, I don't know if it was before recording or not. I've had two glasses of wine now. And (laughs) I had, yeah, yeah. Two drink minimum. We're now in the flow. And that is like (laughs) healthcare is now part of our everyday life. I would guess 90% of the headlines, something like that on a newspaper you would open or somehow related to healthcare, and it wasn't that way a year ago. And so um, even in your short careers, because you're relatively young compared to a lot of people, probably below the average age in your industries. And so, but you've seen as probably as much change over the last 12 months as some of the rest of those people have seen in their entire careers. And one of the things that I'm interested in is like, when did you guys first realize, oh shit, this is going to like affect like this thing that's happening somewhere else around the world. We have to like make decisions at the boardroom table to like how to deal with this thing. Oh, (laughs) this is a big question. A lot to unload here. Um, But I mean, when, tell me what, when it first, we first realized middle of March real. Yeah. No. Yes. I was on maternity leave. 
so I didn't go back to, I had a baby January 6th and I was on maternity leave. So I could dedicate my time to watching the news and I did. So too much, too much. Yeah. Too that's much. what I'm saying to you is that I was texting Hallie constantly saying, what is the clinic going to do? And it was, it's very interesting for me now to look back and recognize that I was really an outsider in it too, because I could spend so much time reading about what was happening mm-hmm. and read what the experts were saying and yes, get very concerned, but I felt like I've always been about a month ahead of everybody else with this. She's humble though about most of the things that she does. Yes. I shouldn't say every, what, what, I don't mean what everybody. What store for us next? <laughs> yeah, I'm a fortune teller. <laughs> Let me see your palms. Yeah. <laughs> I don't mean to be that crazy about it, but I, um, it, it had, it did get bad. You know, but you're our interested world in the industry change. where you listen to the whispers. Yeah, yeah. And I knew, and I think why I was concerned was I was going back to work April 1st. So I was going back into the workforce April 1st. I wanted to know what was that going to look like for me? I had a new baby who they at the time said was in great risk of this virus. Now we know more. We know much more now and and I can be much more relaxed about it now. But at the time it was very scary. And so I was texting Hallie saying, what is happening? And she was sitting at all these meetings where they were discussing it. And you guys were probably starting to discuss it end of March or early April when I came back to work. Well, just to give perspective, for most of us regular people, like when the NBA closed, I remember it was like March 17th or something. Like all of a sudden I got an alert in my phone, like the NBA shut down for the rest of the year due to, you know, the threat of coronavirus. I was like, what? This is America. Like, yeah, this is not some third world country or, you know, like. Yeah, I started, I started quarantine in the middle of March. I did not go anywhere until I went back to work. And my parents lived in our fish house in our yard to take care of my children when I went to work. Wow. April 1st. Yeah. And I did the whole, I mean, it, it's, it was terrifying working in healthcare. We, I would come home and my child, my baby never took a bottle either. So I, it, I look back and I don't know how we got through it, but we did. So I would um, go to work we and from home. A no, I, days a week. no, I did not. I didn't work from home until. Don't you put words in her mouth, Hallie? What? They no. This is why I was texting you a lot because I wanted to be working from home. I wanted to get that going, but yeah. that really didn't change until um, I think it was the end of May when I started working mm. in the fish house. <laughs> that is what I wanted to do. I talked about this so many times. Like I was like, yeah, I was like, no, I don't need, I don't need an office in her house. What I need is a nice ice castle. Yeah. For the business. It, well, right. that's what happened. So this is a right. write-off. This Come is on. like if Dr. Kirby Johnson about that. Like just he yeah. he'd he'd be like on that same wavelength. You probably have to cut that part out. But okay. <laughs> so yeah, cut that out. Yeah. Um so when I went back to work, I would um drive in and I don't, I'm not even sure we wore masks in the very beginning, which was oh. incredibly com- uncomfortable to me because I knew we were supposed like, you know, the rumblings where we should be, but that hadn't changed yet. So I was just, right. I was un- incredibly uncomfortable going back to work. But that was pretty quick because pretty, pretty quick. Maybe thing, the following week, I, yes, I think we started wearing I, masks. I wasn't out yet on maternity leave. When we the mask, well, we got a lot of babies. Yes, going on here. twenty twenty babies. It was yeah. that's also a really challenging thing to have yeah. a baby during the pandemic. Now mine was born before the whole thing, but she's grown up during it. So uh-huh. um, anyway, I would 
go to work and come home during lunch, undress in my breezeway, come inside, wash my hands, go nurse her, scarf down lunch, go put my clothes on, go back to work, come home, undress in the breezeway, go take a shower, go take care of my children. And my parents would sleep in the fish house at night, four days a week. It was, it was hard. It was scary. Wow. And I breastfed, I mean, I pumped at work. So you're pumping too, hoping that you're not infecting anything. I brought nothing inside. I disposed of everything when I got home. If I brought anything inside, we washed the bottles. It was very scary. At least it wasn't January negative eight. Yeah, right, right. I mean, there are some, there are definitely. We had a nice spring with, that could have complicated things a little bit. Definitely silver linings. You know, I know people had it way worse than I did too. I had these, I had parents that were willing to come. We had a fish house that they could sleep in. Like, I don't mean to sound like it was destitute at all, but it just was, we were all trying to do what we could do. But for the first time in all of our lives, regardless of, you know, how old or young each of us are, but we're relatively the same generation, um, like, we had to significantly alter our lives because of a world event. And that's something like, although it was painful, it still is painful. It's kind of an inflection point that I, I think had an opportunity to bring unity and it did not. And um, we'll get into that a little bit. Let's, let's skip to a point. Like I I just like hearing those stories of when you realized it was going to be a real thing. And we've asked that of most people that we've had Uh on. Well, and it's a particularly interesting because they're in healthcare, yeah. you know. So it was interesting to hear that perspective, for sure. Yeah, I think what's yeah. scary for me is I have to sit with patients all day long. Uh-huh. Yeah. So and and, I, and we screen them, but I, I remember my second week there, back in the clinic, and you know the the questions the, they're asked the questions when they walk in, they get they get scanned with a temperature or a thermometer. Um, she didn't have a fever. She said no to all the symptoms. One of the symptoms is new new cough. And she was coughing in the exam room. And I said, D- the screener asked you if you had a new cough. And she said, well, it started on Thursday. And today is Tuesday. So she thought, it's not new. It's not new. <laughs> she, and I could just see, you know, I felt like she had COVID. And I had sat with her for an hour. So they say that the longer you sit with patients, the more at risk, or people, the more at risk yeah. you are too. It's less risky to go to the grocery store where you pass by an individual yeah. versus sitting an hour with an, a person who was coughing yeah. with me. And so then to go home to my newborn, it just was, you know, very... That's super scary. Yeah, that's and... Like that same story from my nursing friend. Right, so... I j- with people that you now know, like... right. And then got confirmation that they are positive. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And you're like, I just spent two hours with this person taking care of them. Right. Yeah. And then the fear of that, or what do you do? Or who do you call? And then you have to find out from employee health what you have to do. And Mm -hmm. yeah, it's been up and down. Well, I think it's safe to say all of us though, um, know that this virus is a real thing. And so I have a question and it relates to over the last like nine months, Generally speaking, the U.S. and the population has like been forced, whether they've wanted to or not, to analyze whether they choose to believe information, like to to like decide. They've like been given the latitude to decide what to believe when it comes to science, um, and what is actually science and what isn't. And are you guys on any social media platforms? Have you yes. heard of those before? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and. 
have you ever run across something that you read that you know to be blatantly false and not true? And how being like in your roles, like what goes through you? Just like tell me about that. That's an interesting question. Great question. Lots and lots of anxiety. I do this for a living. (laughs) It's been, it's, yeah, it's been hard. I, it's really hard um, to not, as a nurse, I've always been told, oh, it's such a trustworthy profession. People really trust you. You're, we, um, uh, thank you for all you do. I have never felt like that has been more of a lie than within the last couple of months, six months or whatever. But yeah, it's hard. That well, sucks. Let's just say the pain that you felt on a daily basis and the, like the, the fear you had of bringing something home to your family. Mm-hmm. And then you read a comment that's like, oh, this is all made up. Yeah. People don't have to sit in front of it. And so it's easy when you can sit behind your computer and say whatever you want to say when you don't have to go to work and take care of people. Deal with it every single day. Yeah, and I'm not somebody who worked in a COVID unit, you know. Uh So to have the fear I had, and it was, I was in a what felt very protected. You know, we were asking people not to come in if you were sick in where I work. Um, I don't know. I can't imagine what that would feel like if you worked in a COVID unit. I mean, I can because I used to work on that floor several years ago, but, um, it wasn't during COVID time period. So that would be much worse. Yeah. It, it's very hard to see these things on Facebook and seeing people without masks. What do you think, Ellie? Um, well, naturally business development, um, it comes like for me too. So you believe what you want to believe, don't believe what have you, but it comes down to a numbers game with the hospital and how many patients you can care for and all of that. And so, um, you know what, if it's just purely COVID patients, yes, like healthcare probably could have covered all of that, but you have all this other stuff that's going on. And, um, you know, I guess that's always for me, like for a lot of young people that are posting, like I'm low risk, blah, blah, blah. You're right. You are, you're probably more likely to get in a car accident. And if you get in a car accident and then the hospital is full of COVID elderly patients, no one's available to care for you or your family that's now been in the car accident. Yep. So like, and, but I don't, people like people don't go there um, and don't understand all of the ripple effects and that, you know, and hospitals are only like, you're not, you're not set up to deal with like viruses or natural disasters or anything like that. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's, you don't staff that way. You don't pay people to be on staff forever that way, waiting for something like this to happen. And so it's not just like you can, I don't know. It just goes back to. There would, there would be logistical deaths and like logistical casualties. Yeah. Yes. The practicality yep. of yes. not having a piece of equipment to keep someone alive was not something that we had to deal with before. But all of a sudden it was. Right. Yeah. And, and, and there were, and there and were locally too, but because of HIPAA, we can't go around talking about that either right so if you're on social media saying this isn't happening in our local hospitals well none of us can come back at you and say yes Yes, it it is is. and here are here's our receipts Uh you know that's not possible so um that's an interesting point i've never heard that before right yeah you see the numbers you see the facts i see the numbers and yes and so it doesn't follow like the numbers and statistics for me and 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 so i yes and so it's I try to like cut emotion out of it and you know, people are going to have different thoughts and opinions on things, but I try to see the numbers in it and it just like one plus one doesn't equal four, even no matter how many times you try to explain it on social media, like Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. 
not accurate for what's happening. I like that. I think that's a good reason as to why you're good at what you do is like somebody has to be in that role where it's like we do have to cut out the emotional side and really just look at it from the analytical numbers. Here's the facts, so to speak. Yeah. You know? Yes. And then, I mean, and all the things that everyone's being presented with on a day-to-day life, there's risks involved. And we are talking more about the risk associated with one virus than we've ever talked about ever, mm-hmm. ever before. And so, like, the the risk analysis that every individual is doing on this one topic has become, like, so talked about. And we don't talk about whether or not people wear their seatbelt when they get in the car or not. Um, but that's a choice people make every day. And I'm sure if we just like focused, like hyper focused on that one thing, people would get in fights all the time about whether or not you needed to wear your seatbelt when you go to the grocery store or not. Um, <laughs> but it's like now everyone is so hyper focused on it. Um, and it's just like distorted people's ability to kind of like rationally think or yeah well and everybody has a platform now too I mean 10 years ago <laughs> changes the dynamic mm-hmm. yeah so much there yeah. wasn't a platform for everyone to go on I mean if you wanted to like take out your own radio you ad write a letter, yeah letter to the editor <laughs> letter to the yeah. editor like yeah. that was letter. what people did but now it's <laughs> now yeah. it's po- Facebook post after Facebook oh, post yeah. yeah 10 years ago there was by the way but we're just getting older yeah. And you'd probably have to say 15. You know, in yeah. our, I think like the other week, less this past week, we, <laughs> there was a post that particularly had us both going and I was just said, I'm just so ready to people going back to posting like the food they ate at a restaurant, uh-huh. their puppy, their work, oh, their workout. workout. I could their do without that. marketing product. <laughs> <laughs> I could do without <laughs> that. <laughs> Edit that out. Uh, yeah. what, did, what, did, what happened? I, I was distracted. What happened? Nothing. MLS. Uh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> there was an MLS. I would like to go back to the days of food, puppies, Vaca- babies. babies. I mean, like vacations, a lot of these things, I guess, restaurants and vacations. Yeah, and so I would like to go back smiling. to when people trusted healthcare professionals, too. That, too. Like, I don't know when healthcare got sucked into this whole, like, vortex of, I, I of being political. I honestly think that the last three months has been the... Every single patient I talk to, I swear, talks about something from Facebook. I saw this on Facebook. Should I be taking this medication? I saw this on Facebook. Should I get the vaccine? I saw this on Facebook. It's so toxic to my work that it's becoming a problem. <laughs> That's very interesting. It's a real reality, yeah. right? Yeah. And here's one thing, I, one point I want to make, though, mm-hmm. is that, yes, like social media, um, any sort of media input that you take in, you are still responsible for your own actions and the decisions that you make. Like even if someone, someone, you know, ran a whole bunch of ads saying that they should do something crazy medically to prevent them from, I don't know, like going blind or something, you still have, like, it's still up to you to go and research that. And you know, like, you're responsible for your own actions. You can't tell me that you voted for someone because you were like brainwashed on whatever, like you still have to fill out the dots. I feel like so, so many people are, ready to assume blame and not take any responsibility for their own actions. And, um, it drives me nuts. Right. And to think about that, that was the consideration with this Facebook post we both saw. I considered, I was heavily considering, should I say something? But then I think about all the trickle down and it just wasn't worth it to me in the end because of that. 
Yes. And so why didn't the first person think that way? <laughs> so that, that was the question I actually wanted to ask. So it's it's one thing to run, run across run across like a random Facebook post by someone that you don't really know. It's another thing to be um, like socially around someone, not that you did a lot of that, but where someone that you kind of know that isn't your inner circle, but just kind of sort of related, maybe it's like, and they say something. And how is that different? And what have you ever chosen to say? Now, let me actually tell you the, like, the truth. Let me tell you my... Have you ever chosen to do that in the yes. last nine months? Yeah, all the time. I, I mean, every every single patient that walks in my door, I talk about the vaccine with. Um, and they ha- there's a lot of opinions, but um, I make that... Uh, we talk about the virus. We talk about vaccine. Everybody's very scared. So my job is to make them feel more comfortable with those decisions. And likely educated. And educate, right. Whatever their decision may be. I mean, that's not my job to put judgment either way, but I want them to know this is the data on the, on those choices and you can make your decision. But, um, yeah, with patients all the time, family, I have no problem telling everybody how I feel. No, I'm not scared of that, but I am scared on social media. (laughs) There's something scary about that because the people, people are, are mean and, and my point is, I think if you are posting something on social media, you aren't asking the question. You're not putting it out there so that you're to change your mind. You're not seeking to learn. You're not. You're shouting. Right. Yeah, We've talked correct. about this. I, when I called her about this, she said, what's the point of these platforms? It's to influence. Right. Yes. You're t- you're, they're Cause this particular it. post said that they were posting this information not to influence anybody's decision. They were just sharing their thoughts. And I said, well, that's, that's not, the nobody point. asked like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good point. you're yeah. choosing to influence. Yeah. yeah. This is not unique to just healthcare, by the way, all big organizations, when things get shaken up, they divert to conservative, like hide school districts do the same thing. Like, Interesting. and I've lived in that where some like, some event causes like a fissure or a hyper focus on the school district. It could be possibly controversial. And instead of like going out and educating, they just like close it up shop. In fact, the largest employer in Wilmer, you can figure this out if you Google it. Um, they had uh, a few years ago, if you remember a certain virus affected them um, and their product. And they actually have a master shutoff switch that silences every single channel that they have. So they have like a like every social channel, every outlet, every marketing commercial that's on TV. They can actually, if there's any crisis, they hit a pause and everything's dead. And their default is to kill everything, to kill all communication until said problem is resolved. And I just think in today's world, like I don't think that's right anymore. Because so much, agree. so much can fill the void now. That I don't know. I've that's seen a- both sides of. I mean. Yes, but like also like because there's so much out there, like things move on super fast too. So there's like a time and place for like, is this going to be like a big enough deal that we have to talk about it? Or is this like, is it just going to be like onto the next big thing that happened? And all you could have done is started talking about it and then like open the doors to, I mean, look at what's uh, Alec Baldwin's wife. Mrs. Baldwin? No. <laughs> I, like I don't know. Alaria Baldwin. Yeah. Yeah. Had I mean, a weird yeah. scandal, you're saying? Yeah. She has like this whole weird scandal where like had she not had there not been an issue with like Amy Schumer making fun of her, like she wouldn't have ended up with this whole huge scandal. 
about like whether she is really from New Jersey or if she's from Spain. So I I don't know. There's you yeah. can go both ways on it of like when's the right time, and I, that's I just always default to like our PR marketing people on on kind of how that goes. Yeah, on when's the right time that you need to say something and when's the right time to be like well here here let it go let me throw one extra thing like when sydney firkin smith came on and was visibly emotional in that talk i've never trusted anyone more than when she was doing that like yeah but that worked for you but think of her example of that patient who had said i only come to you for my cancer treatment i've come to you for 30 years but i will not trust you when it like when you're telling me things about covid like, right. so I, it, it all just goes back to, I don't know. It goes back to the whole emotional thing. Like emotionally for you, all of that does it for a lot of people. Clearly that shit doesn't do it because they're just like not having it. I know. I, like, I read I, my I, own, I did my own research and I read it and reread it. I know. <laughs> but one selective article that I, I found think it that could agreed be with me. argued that they're the only reason they, they trusted the things that they read was because there was nothing from people that, that probably should have been making stuff that knew enough to make stuff. Uh, you know what I mean? Uh, I just disagree. <laughs> I think. And I, I think, do think, I think like it's part of the damage of it all is like the hyper focus on it. Like, yes, COVID is a huge thing and a huge issue, but just like, the daily repeating of the numbers of how many people oh, no, every no, 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 no. day. No. Happen. But like, it just yeah. like how hyper focused everything has become on it. Like if we could just, people had other things to think about so they couldn't be like so the opposition to whether this is real or not it wasn't so present in their mind to come up with an argument to it right i need to reframe this for you so um i like we've talked about this before is you like (laughs) this is like the first time anybody's just like gone to battle with you on a podcast no i'm not (laughs) not going to battle at all i need to reframe this for you a little bit so we can like kind of understand is that like you don't try to build the battleship while you're in battle. If you're in battle, it's yeah. too late. And so if there had already, let's say like five years before that, you guys had always come out with like, here's how you like are safe shoveling snow. Here's how like, be careful, like all these little things. And People so you. you've become the trusted advisor that they just kind of pay attention to already. And then when this happened, like this crazy thing happened, they're like, oh, well, what are they saying? Like they're the people I've listened to of these, all of these other things. Like, what do they say? You know? And like, I I don't know. I just, I wonder if that's some thing that, that health organizations could do. Like, I didn't know who Dr. Fauci was until all of a sudden this happened. And if he had been making things or putting out things about health and all of that before him. There was a president who was preventing that. I, I'm, well, we're not talking about the reasons why, but we're just talking about like what actually happened. You know what I mean? Yeah. I just think it's interesting who you choose to trust. Yes. And, yeah. and, um, yeah, instead so, of so blaming Kara, the people that I mean, Karis did put out posts that would be like, you know, these are the top reasons to wear a mask or these are the top reasons to vaccinate. But you know, it's sort of like, but why don't they hit? I don't know right, why that that's is. What I was just going to say like, why is that not interesting to somebody? But I then don't know. Somebody's personal post can get, 40 plus shares a lot of it is the storytelling component of yes. it. Like when you tell when you state facts in a way that pulls at somebody's emotional like heartstrings yeah that's where you really make an impact and that is what good marketing is and that's also like what good information is about and how it's going to resonate it's not going to always resonate with everybody 
but it's going to resonate with somebody and that's where you start making a difference. It's a ripple effect. Yeah. Stories travel <laughs> easily. Numbers are hard to like, you know, like yeah. it doesn't hit necessarily, right. you know? Yeah. And as you know, argues numbers can be argued any which way you want. Yes. Right. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not like dis, I'm not, I don't even no. know if we're disagreeing. I just like, no, I wonder if we can all agree that that had such an, like has such a negative, just like, like disaster shit storm out there. What could we do or what could have been done that we could learn from that maybe we could like, yeah, it, it makes me want to have more of a presence. You know, it makes me want to do more posting or sharing or whatever, but there is, then you have to be okay with the backlash of what you get to. Sure. You know, I recently joined TikTok. I'm not putting anything on there, but oh God, she's obsessed. I'm obsessed with it. TikTok like, is a time warp. It is crazy. Are you on TikTok? Yeah. Don't, oh, don't do no, it. No, I'm don't not going to do it, don't but start it. I love watching them. And there are a oh, lot eventually of... Eventually, she's going to jump in there. There's a lot of healthcare professionals on that. and I Really? Yes. Well, you know, it's interesting. I feel like TikTok has the best algorithm. So when you start liking things, that's you see a lot of that. So I see a lot of healthcare stuff because I liked two in the beginning and now I see a ton of it. But they have a lot of great healthcare professionals who are putting themselves out there and, and putting the facts out there. And I really appreciate it. Mm-hmm. I'm just, glad that they're, they have that in them, you know, cause they're getting a lot of backlash from people too, but they're handling it well. How do you battle disinformation? This is a problem and like a real problem, real problem. And how do you, I don't know. I don't, I don't know, know what the that, answer is, I don't but know that, I know my patients have not read the articles, you know, like they didn't read the research study like I did. So when they come in my office and they ask me about it, I can confidently tell them this is what it's saying. And this is why what you're telling me is false. So I feel like that resonates with them and they do appreciate hearing that from me. I don't know what they decide to do in the end, but at least I can confidently say like this, you're at least at the very like end of that informed them, inform right? them. Yeah. From a, which a is always my job. My job is always educate yeah. and inform. Trust. They can, they're going to do what they want when they walk out of the door, but I can give them the tools. And so that's what I'm doing now with this too. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we talk about diabetes, but I end up talking about that virus and the vaccine more than anything right now, probably. I think a lot of it is also diabetic patients are extremely high risk. So, I mean, this is, they're scared. They're all scared. They're walking around scared. So it's my job to help them feel a little bit better too, but yeah. And I have a huge portion of patients that don't want to even come to the clinic. So we're just still doing these video, video appointments or phone appointments because they don't leave their homes. I mean, you know, you and I were young. We feel like we can go around and we sur- we safely vaccinated. can. I've been vaccinated. I've had both doses. So I can start moving around a little bit more. There are people that don't do anything. They don't leave their houses. They don't see their grandkids. They don't go anywhere. They don't even come see me because they're too scared. So they do a video visit or a phone visit. And we forget about that unless you know people in your life who are living like that. Sure. So Hallie, do you think disinformation is something that like, should be tackled or what do you like as a systems person what do you think i yeah no i think i don't care i'm just asking what you think because i don't know i i think it's i think it's bigger than healthcare to tackle oh for sure you know i just don't i don't know this is just the flavor of the well the year right it is the flavor of the year but like i don't i think it's bigger than healthcare i don't know that doing something differently i would say that i could argue that four or five years ago people trusted their doctors and they trusted Nurses, and if somebody in medicine came out and said, do X, Y, Z, people would have been like, doing it. 
Um, but it's kind of, I don't know. It's, I mean, it's been the perfect storm. Even before, even before COVID happened, I feel like the anti-vaxxers were getting louder than they've ever been before. Um, you know, we were having measles outbreaks, which we hadn't had for an extremely long time. So I think, you know, terrifying. Yeah. So I think it's kind of also, I mean, it's almost kind of the perfect storm that this hit at the same time that you had kind of a underground information group coming up. Um, I don't know how you, you know, I think it goes back on the education system or our it's, social structure. No one has talked more shit about the education system than me in this chair. Uh, yeah. So well, I mean, but like, how do we teach more about critical thinking? And, you know, there, here's an, here's a thought and opinion that is expressed. Like, can we think about it from all different sides? What is the data show behind it? Like, is this something we're going to believe in or why? Um, yeah, and where just, you get the information was you know something that was drilled though. into yeah. my head over and over. And I feel like even starting in high school. I know. And where you know is like, that information? We laughed until we cry about it. But there's like an employee at the clinic that somebody was telling me about the other day who was like, in reference to information, was like, well, I know that this was true because I didn't read it on my phone. I read it on my iPad. <laughs> it doesn't matter if it's Facebook from both locations. Like the location of where you read it's it off of Facebook. <laughs> like, that's not, that's not, yeah, like. Well, remember what I said earlier. Like, like oh, you're responsible okay. for your own behavior and beliefs. Like, they still are responsible for their ignorance. You don't get to claim, like, oh, it's not my fault. I read it there. So that's why I believed it. Right. Like, they're still responsible. Like, I, I, I agree. Um, but also, education's been scrutinized just as much in the last 10 months yes. as health, not as much as healthcare, but they've yeah. said like, Oh, don't believe anything teachers tell you now too, because mm-hmm. they're part of the conspiracy as well. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's just, I don't know. It's all upsetting. How can we I fix know. this? I think that's I my question to, okay, is like, I, do we, how, what do we take an active approach? I, do we get, do we mad and get drink? I'm fine with this. both. But <laughs> I don't even know if an answer to this, but like, like, a couple months ago, I think I told you this. I watched Remember the Titans, which I hadn't watched. God, I love you, Denzel. Fantastic movie. Like we've got to come together. Amazing soundtrack. Just yes. great, great movie. But it reminded me that like there have been other times that our country has been like way messed up. And more than this. More than this. And we've found a path forward. Not that the path forward corrected everything, obviously. Uh, because here we are. But like we, we there we will find our way. We will find our way through this. Like it's going to be okay. I it's rough. Right. It is rough. Not probably not everybody will be okay. But yeah, for the most, I think as a country we can move through well, this. We can yeah, get there. Sure. I mean, we there's been other points that have happened. <laughs> well, <laughs> thank you very much for doing this. I know it was like when I sent you the messages, you were like, well, you were like. Tell me a little bit about, I mean, I'm in, but tell me a little bit, like that was your message. I'm yeah. in, but tell me a little bit about it. Hallie, you were more like, well, what are we going to do? Where is this going to happen? You're like, like, are you sure? I think my first response was, this feels like a bad idea. Yeah. <laughs> is this a trap? I can empathize with that. Cause it's like, 
it's hard right now to speak on behalf of like healthcare. And so you're super apprehensive about what you're going to say. But I just have to say that it's been really, really interesting listening to your perspective, hearing like everything you have to share about this subject matter and like representing, I think, Karis Health really, really well. So thank you. You guys were awesome. (laughs) Thanks, ladies.